Hello, this is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a programme about globalisation and the effects it has had on other countries around the world over the last 50 years or so. In each programme, we interview a person from another country or with strong connections to another country to get their unique perspective on globalisation as it has affected them, their country and its relationship with the wider world. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience, both from me and from my interviewees from around the world. Today, we will be speaking to the ambassador of one of our close EU neighbours, a country that is already very important to Ireland as an economic and transportation link to the continent of Europe, and one with which we are set to have an even closer and more strategically important connection in the future after Brexit. That country is Belgium, a small yet pivotal country at the heart of Europe, whose capital, Brussels, hosts many of the EU institutions, such as the European Commission, the Council of the European Union and the European Council. Belgium's ambassador to Ireland since 2017 is His Excellency Pierre-Emmanuel de Bau. Ambassador de Bau has a long career in the Belgian diplomatic services, including communications roles at the Royal Palace for the Belgian Royal Family, as well as foreign postings in the US, Cuba, Colombia and at the EU, stretching back to the 1990s. And so I am delighted to welcome Ambassador de Bau to the studio today. Welcome, Ambassador. And thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you very much, Patrick. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you and very welcome. To kick off, so uh, how long have you now been ambassador of Belgium to Ireland? And what are your main priorities for the Belgium-Ireland relationship during your term? I've been in Ireland for two years now. This is midterm for me, mm-hmm. uh, actually, and time flies because uh, it's been a very busy two years, I have to say. Uh, the priorities, as you said, Belgium and Ireland are close partners, close friends. Our bilateral relationship goes back to the 17th century. Um, and uh, believe it or not, but Belgium is the second or third trading partner of Ireland. So it's actually a very important and a strategic uh, economic uh, partner for, for, for this country. And for us, Ireland is definitely a very important partner. Uh, we are linked culturally. We are linked within the EU. We are becoming even closer partners within the EU now that Ireland has become a net contributor to the EU budget mm-hmm. as we are. And we feel that we have a lot of values that we can share. And so the fact that we are second or third uh, trading, uh, uh, that Belgium is our second or third most important trading partner, what, what's that trade made up of? Well, it's uh, it's 19 billion euro a year of uh, Irish exports to Belgium. Uh, and it's mainly in the pharmaceutical sector mm-hmm. and chemicals. Very important with a huge Belgian investment in the sector here with Janssen Science. That's a Belgian company based in Antwerp, and mm-hmm. they have uh, uh, various facilities here. Um, and then all the rest, you know, like machines, uh, food products, uh, uh, whatever, the whole bunch of it, including our chocolate and fries. Of course. <laughs> and some other Belgian investment that I became aware of recently in Ireland is uh, in international news and media. Isn't that right? Has been Exactly, yeah. yeah. So international news and media has been bought by uh, Belgian group Media House. Uh, 
they have a strong experience in Belgium and in the Netherlands, especially in uh, in bringing media to the digital world, if I can say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very important because Ireland is their first market uh, now uh, beyond Belgium and the Netherlands, and they have the intention to stay here and to to build a strong relationship with uh, with Ireland. It's a good it's a good story. So since you've been here uh, in your time as ambassador, what have you learned about Ireland that you didn't maybe know before you came here in terms of its people, its government, business world and so on? Well, uh, I, I knew Ireland before. I'd been here uh, several times, but for very short stays and on business. And my first day, first day uh, goes back more than 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I found, uh, when I arrived two years ago, a totally different country, a new country, uh, a much more diverse, open, a dynamic country, actually, uh, than what I had seen in the past. Uh, what really and what really is very characteristic and important uh, in this country is the friendliness, the kindness, the openness of the people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, uh, a real degree, uh, an important degree of interest in the others, in in the world at large, uh, that you don't find everywhere. So for me, this really explains as well why Belgians and Irish uh, are so close to each other. Uh, Belgium has been the battlefield of Europe for centuries, which means on the positive side that we've got to we, we, we've got to learn many many other cultures and people and countries uh, some of them have been our rulers some not uh, we've been independent since uh, 1831 uh, and since then we have tried to to live in peace uh, with our neighbors and inside our country we have to um, manage different cultures and languages together. Mm -hmm. And actually it's a richness and it's something I find in Ireland as well. Uh, On this island, there is a big diversity, cultural language as well, but also economic, social uh, diversity. And there is a rich experience of migration Mm -hmm. uh, that comes as a plus to the people. They know that when you are abroad, uh, you can bring something to the country uh, that's receiving you. You can also uh, be open to other people, other cultures, uh, much more if you have that sensitivity in you, if Mm -hmm. you have that history in your DNA. And I think uh, that to me, it was uh, fantastic to discover that uh, Irish and Belgians to that extent really match Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good match because we, we have an open mind, we are easygoing, uh, flexible, uh, and we also want the best for our country. It's an interesting perspective. And, and I did want to ask you a little bit more about um, cultural diversity in Belgium because Belgium, like Ireland in some ways, is a country with different communities. So, you, you know, different cultural traditions, different languages. But unlike Ireland, you coexist within one political state since 1831 as you said. So tell us a little bit about how Belgium came into being in the first place and how it's managed those differences in the different communities over the best part of what now, 200 years almost. Yeah, what, what is now Belgium uh, had been already an entity under previous 
rulers in the past, uh, the Dukes of Burgundy, for instance, uh, and this cultural and bilingual and uh, linguistic diversity has always been there. So mm -hmm. it's not new. Uh, back in the Middle Ages, it was not unusual that families spoke Flemish, which is almost the same as Dutch or one of the many Flemish dialects mm -hmm. at home and then French was the official language. Okay. It was not unusual. So it's also in our DNA. Now, how did we manage when the country was created uh, in, in 1830 um, mainly to, to, to try to bring peace in Europe? You remember that Europe, continental Europe at the time uh, was ravaged by After the Napoleonic wars. wars yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so Uh, it was the idea was to have a sort of a buffer uh, or, or, or several buffers uh, in continental Europe uh, with the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, uh, countries which would later become the Benelux countries. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the idea was to bring peace. Uh, now, internally, these countries had to develop themselves and to and to accommodate their own diversity. And in Belgium, from the very beginning, we've done it through uh, what uh, what became sort of uh, an art in Belgian politics: the compromise. And compromise doesn't mean that you have to surrender whatever. Compromise means you make the necessary step towards the other so that he or she also can make a step, a step bringing all of us closer to each other mm -hmm. with a common objective, with common goals. And that's the way it works, you know. It's not like uh, uh, everybody is frustrated. It's like, okay, what everybody is, is wondering what we can do better together. Now, it's not an easy process. Mm -hmm. Never been so. Uh, sometimes politicians have to uh, be very creative to bridge uh, the gaps or the differences that exist. But the, 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 the aim is always to stick together, to try to, to have uh, the best for all citizens of the country. And I have to say, um, there is one one um, criterion that can tell you uh, whether or not it works. Uh, in Belgium, we never had political violence. Mm -hmm. uh, we could always solve our political problems through politics uh, and what I call compromises, but in a positive way. So let's hope it will uh, it will remain so. So, and in modern Belgium, if we look at it now, if you travel to, to Belgium, it's quite obvious. It's one of the most culturally diverse countries in, in Europe. It has welcomed immigrants from all over Europe and from further afield. So how does the country manage this additional diversity positively? And what kind of challenges or tensions has that given rise to along the way? Well, the challenges are, are many. Uh, they're not only uh, cultural, they're economic, they're social uh, challenges. Uh, and unfortunately, with uh, the, the, the current uh, climate of uh, radicalism, uh, the challenges are even uh, security challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had in 2016 uh, Bru the Brussels terrorist attacks. Yeah. 
that was really terrible. It was a shock to the population. The response has not been uh, to um, put new barriers and uh, to terrorize our own population. The response has been, okay, we need to do more uh, to stimulate integration, openness, encourage diversity, encourage people to, uh, to, to, to have um, this interest for, for people coming from abroad. Uh, it works, which means uh, it goes through, through social programs, uh, integration programs. Uh, it's not an easy question. Mm -hmm. I think migration is probably uh, one of the most uh, important challenges uh, for for the EU in general uh, today. But let's be honest, we've had migration for centuries, of course. and that's what our societies are made of. I mean, we all are immigrants to some extent. So uh, with the appropriate level of solidarity mm -hmm. uh, and with our good principles, I think the EU can really cope with that new reality. And we in Belgium are, are very much ready to, to work with our EU partners on that. Okay. In the intro, I mentioned the strong economic and transportation links that already exist between Ireland and Belgium. So how do you see this evolving in the future in a, in a post-Brexit European Union where Ireland is basically on the other side of the United Kingdom that's outside the European Union? Yeah, well, actually, Ireland is within the EU and will remain in the EU. And that's very positive and very encouraging. And we're very happy with that. Now, the closest countries on continental Europe, uh, closest to Ireland, are France, Belgium and, and the Netherlands. And uh, we, we've actually been very, very active in, in promoting the expansion of maritime routes, direct maritime routes between Ireland and Belgium. Uh, of course, now more than, than 75% uh, of Irish exports and imports use the land bridge mm -hmm. through the UK. Uh, in any event, hard Brexit or soft Brexit, in any event, uh, the trade is booming in Ireland. So uh, there, there, ha there have to be new routes and, yeah. and, and the routes have to, to be more diversified. Uh, but in the case of Brexit, this will really help. And I have a good example. The direct maritime route between Dublin and Zeebrugge in Belgium uh, expanded dramatically uh, in less than a year and a half. Uh, it uh, it um, uh, it, ha it had a growth of more than twenty five percent, and in fact, there's, a new, there's a new uh, the MV Celine is, a, is the yeah. largest row row ferry in the world, I believe. On it's the one. largest row row ferry in the world on short sea distances. Mm -hmm. Yes, and now um, uh, the the Belgian Luxembourg company CLD and Cobelfred put in service a second one on the line. Dublin um, uh, Zeebrugge and uh, when Taoiseach Varadkar uh, baptized the Celine uh, 
year and a half ago, he said it was a Brexit buster. <laughs> uh, but actually it is because uh, when, when, when you go shopping uh, here in Ireland, you go to Aldi or Lidl, uh, the chance is high that the products or almost all the products you have in your basket come from Zeebrugge. Really? Yeah. Okay. And we'll probably see more of that. Yes, exactly. And we'll see more Belgian brands and Dutch brands. And yeah, exactly. More continental brands. And, and all these, um, all those ships are, are, are full. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here, here in Ireland, we're all very well versed on the potential negative impact of Brexit on us politically and economically, but maybe not so much on the effect it's going to have on some of our other EU partners. So what effects does does Belgium anticipate that Brexit will have on it? And how can Ireland and Belgium help each other to mitigate those impacts? Well, uh, after Ireland, Belgium is among the countries that will be most affected as far as trade is concerned by by Brexit. Uh, Our economy is very much exposed to uh, trade with the UK. Mm -hmm. Uh, The UK is one of our closest uh, markets, of course, and and trading partners. Uh, And, you know, in recent times with the development of of seaports uh, and, uh, and the logistics sector, uh, Zeebrugge, Antwerp, Ghent have become serious uh, bases for, for trading with the UK. So the less trade with the UK, even from or to other countries in Europe, uh, the less activity there is in those Belgian ports. Yeah. So that's a real concern. Another concern is, for instance, the textile industry. We are very competitive. Uh, I mean, Belgian companies uh, offer very competitive products to the uh, the British market um, because they can deliver uh, within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. The day there are customs duties or formalities or paperwork, uh, whatever can 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 slow down the pace of delivery. You know there are out of EU competitors that could um, send their products even faster than we would, mm-hmm. and that's a main concern as well. Yeah, and we're very much exposed to. Uh, uh, to trade with the UK for, for instance, for textile, for car manufacturers, mm-hmm. uh, high-tech products that are available in Belgium, good quality. Uh, well, the day you, you put extra barriers to trade, that could be a problem. Also, yeah. the agri-food sector mm-hmm. is, is very important. I see perhaps there's an opportunity uh, for export substitution in the sense that Irish importers may be looking for alternatives and may look to Belgium. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for example, we mentioned, you know, maybe um, biscuits and foodstuffs and so on. And uh, and vice versa, that Irish exporters have the opportunity to step in where British exporters are losing out maybe in, in Belgium, say with lamb and other, C- certainly, other products. That, that's certainly the case. And uh, and, and and I know uh, my, my Irish colleague, Ambassador of Ireland uh, to Belgium, Belgium is very active in that as well, and we we actually we we exchange notes and yeah, we, we wouldn't we expect any less talk to each other. Uh, but that's very important, as you say. Uh, yeah, my field, as as we were discussing earlier, is supply chain and logistics, and I'm aware that Belgium is already an incredibly important um, supply chain and logistics hub for the entire continental main, mainland. Um, so, what would you be saying to Irish business people about the potential of Belgium as an operational base? 
for those of them that are looking to diversify their business in, in continental Europe? Well, I would do with, uh, I would say when you're in Belgium, you're really at the heart of Europe and all our, our ports are not just ports, they're connected. They're connected to uh, Europe, they're connected to the world. Uh, I'll take one example, milk powder from Ireland, from uh, the, the, the western and southern part of Ireland is exported uh, from Cork to Antwerp actually uh, more than 25% of, uh, of trade uh, in Cork goes to Antwerp. Uh, but from there, where does it go? It doesn't stop in Antwerp, it goes to China. Uh, and that's why I would encourage businesses to use Belgian ports uh, as a port of final destination uh, if they if they if they trade with uh, with continental Europe because then you have the trucks and and even internal navigation mm -hmm. uh, to 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 go to the to, to to other countries, but to use our ports as transit destinations for longer for 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 the longer export routes. Uh, it's very useful. Another thing you can do is use Belgium for warehousing. Of course. We still ha mm. have a lot of space. Uh, there are already many Irish companies uh, that use uh, warehouses, that own warehouses in, in Antwerp, uh, in the tropical fruit sector, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, in other sectors as well. Uh, I would say this is a good place to, to really to export for the broader European market. Uh, but that's for export. Uh, other than that, I think we can do much more uh, partnerships. We can do much more business together. Uh, a good example is life sciences. Uh, in life sciences, uh, that's where Ireland and, and Belgium really can meet. Uh, did you know that Belgium is actually the leader in life sciences in Europe with almost 25% of the sector production? Mm. Uh, it's a very, very strong sector in Ireland as well. We already have a strong relationship um, in, in, in that sector, uh, but we, we, we're willing to promote it and to, 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 foster, to foster even more the relationship. We're, we're going to have in mid-November a life science seminar at the, the, the residence of Belgium in Dublin, and we'll bring the example, for instance, of an uh, Irish startup in, in the life sciences sector mm -hmm. uh, that has a partnership with a Belgian university who's putting money into it uh, to develop it. So on that sort of things, I think we or two countries are, are natural mates, I would say. Natural partners, yeah. yeah. And beyond Brexit then, what do you see as the main challenges and opportunities for the European Union over the next five to ten years, say socially, economically, demographically? Well, I think the, the, the real challenge uh, and the opportunity as well created by Brexit is to, uh, to be very uh, assertive uh, about our values. Uh, in this whole Brexit story, it's a sad story. We don't want the UK to leave. It's their decision. We are 
losing an important partner. We hope that we'll uh, we'll have uh, a, a close relationship with them in the future. But in this whole story, we've, we've seen that our values really matter and uh, that we can be united around our values. Uh, the solidarity with Ireland and with peace on the island of, uh, of Ireland and the peace process is absolutely fundamental for us in the future. That's where uh, we can build a strong Europe in the future. Uh, Europe, uh, and we, 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 should, we should remember that every day. Mm -hmm. What is the European Union? What is Europe? It's a peace process. It's a peace project. Because after World War II, it was built in order to avoid a new war in Europe. And actually, we became not only the biggest trading bloc uh, on this planet, but we became the biggest peaceful zone uh, on this planet. And I think if we, if we can remember that when one of our important members left, that we decided that we certainly would would not may would not compromise on our core values i think we're on the right track it's a very important point that we sometimes take for granted because we've had peace for for so long and it's important to be aware yeah that that's what what this uh, what this country reminds me about uh, every day you should not take peace for granted mm. i mean uh, in ireland peace is uh, uh, i mean on this island uh, peace is a very young process yeah. 21 years, mm. that's, that's almost nothing, and we have to cultivate it every day. Of course. As I mentioned again in, in the intro, your career stretches back to the early 90s with posts in Latin America, in the US, at the EU, as well as at the Royal Palace in, in Belgium. So let me ask you, what, what attracted you to the diplomatic services in the first place as a young man? <laughs> Well, uh, I studied law and uh, I first worked as a lawyer uh, a year in the US and then a year in, uh, in Brussels. And uh, then one day I woke up and, uh, and I just, I woke up with the question, am I going to do this my whole life? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer was very clear, no, no, it's a fascinating job. I mean, I, it was very interesting to work as a lawyer, but it lacked the variety uh, I, uh, I wanted to have in my, my daily life. It lacked the, um, uh, the travel, of course, and, and, and working in, uh, in different languages and so on. Uh, so that's, a, what's, that's what attracted me. Now, my father worked uh, all his career as a civil servant in the European Commission, and there was some attraction for uh, Europe in me for, 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 for a very long time. Uh, and then I, I was really uh, interested in, in public service, civil service. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought, well, working with the general, with having the, the public interest in mind, attracted me more than uh, working purely for business. Yeah. So, and then when you are not thinking of diplomacy and politics and economics and international affairs, what, what kind of things do you like to do in your spare time? 
Well, when I'm in Dublin, what I like to do is run. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm very lucky to, to uh, live in Ballsbridge. So the, the, the natural uh, uh, running zone is uh, Sandy Mount Beach and the area. Beautiful. Uh, my wife and I, we are hikers. So we go frequently to the Wicklows. Um, and then uh, I ski in the winter. Uh, I, when I was younger, I was a mountain climber. Mm -hmm. uh, now I, I, I go more for hiking than for climbing. <laughs> Excellent. So I've been to Belgium several times, but unfortunately it always seems to be on business for some reason or another. So what would you recommend to me and to other Irish people as must-dos and must-sees the next time we have the opportunity to be in Belgium? Well, there are uh, absolute must-sees such as Bruges, which is just a fantastic old city with a lot of charm, many good restaurants as well. Uh, you should go to the southern part of the country, to the Ardennes, uh -huh. um, especially in uh, in the autumn uh, it, or in the spring. It's lovely. Uh, and you have... Well, you you, you don't have the, 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 those uh, uh, as many empty areas as sure. here in Ireland <laughs> because uh, population concentration is a bit higher in Belgium than yeah. here. But still, you have those uh, uh, fantastic long stretches of nature and it's beautiful. Yeah. As always happens on, on this show, Ambassador, uh, we've been beaten by the clock again. Uh, we could, you know, we could chat on for, for quite a while. So to finish, I would just like to thank you for, for being here with us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I look forward uh, very much to the ever strengthening ties between Ireland and Belgium in the future. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you, listeners. And I'd be happy to welcome you to Belgium any day. <laughs> of course. And thank you also to our listeners. And remember that if you would like to find out more about globalization, international business, and how we can help you with uh, uh, your formulation and implementation of strategies, please check out my blog and website on albalogistics.com and my book, International Supply Chain Relationships, which can be purchased on Amazon and Google Books. This is Patrick Daly of Alba Consulting. Goodbye and keep well until the next time.